If the only thing people learned was not to be afraid of their experience, that alone would change the world. This is an amazing quote by Sidney Banks. He is one of the teachers of our next guest. Welcome to Heal Conversations to Guide You Toward Personal Growth and Overall Well Being. Here we are in our next episode of Heal. I am so excited to introduce this next guest. She comes from us all the way from Jerusalem, and her name is Hannah Studley. She's here um, as the author of Painless. It addresses her book addresses chronic pain and the mind-body connection. Welcome, Hannah. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you. So we haven't had anyone specifically talking about this and I can't wait. I'm probably going to order your book um, <laughs> when, we, when we hang up, but um, uh-huh. I'm excited to hear about your story. Um, yay, it's so pretty. I love the cover. She just held the, co- the book up for us, everyone. <laughs> Is that you on the cover? Yes, that's me. <gasps> I, I'm, dressed, I'm dressed up as Frida Kahlo. I know, um, oh my gosh. If your listeners are familiar with her story, but she suffered a lot of pain and she turned her pain to art. So it was just a, I kind of mention it in the book and it's just part. So I always found her so inspiring long before I even made any connection between the whole mind body thing. But um, yeah, she's, she was beautiful and amazing artist. So I dressed up as her for the cover. (laughs) I think that's fabulous. You know, I had only seen a small thumbnail of the um, book cover and I thought, oh, that's Frida Kahlo. And then I was like, maybe it's not Frida Kahlo. (laughs) It's you. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. Now I really can't wait to get that book. So tell us, um, 25 years of chronic pain. It's funny when I read that, I thought there's so many, I wonder how long you suffered, um, before you actually did something, because I, I was thinking in my head, you know, oftentimes again, don't like to generalize, but I feel like women tend to just deal with stuff for a long time before they decide to do anything about it. You know, it's just like, well, this is just what I'm dealing with. This is just what I have to do. So I'm wondering how long did you, did you suffer through your pain? And do you know what caused it um, before you decided to do anything about it? I mean, you can start as far back as you want and tell us your story. Sure, thank you. Um, So my chronic pain, really came from injuries I received from being mugged. I was oh my actually, God. yeah, I was mugged three times, which um, is kind of the subject of my first book. My first book is about trauma um, because I, I mean, it's bad enough being mugged one time, but three times. Uh, the first one, my skull was fractured right here. Um, I can put my finger right on it. I know nobody can see it, but I know right where the bone knitted back together again. Um, that was when I was in college. I, I was at Manchester University in the early 80s and I was at a concert and some young man tried putting his hands where he shouldn't. I, I said no and he smashed my head into a concrete pillar and uh, fractured my skull. Um, I only lost consciousness for a few seconds, but when I came to, I lost my eyesight. Um, luckily that was only temporary, but um, I, I've never um, been, my handwriting has been terrible ever since. Um, and uh, uh, my short-term memory is getting pretty bad, which I'm sure is, uh, the doctors have said it could be connected to that. 
Um, but I recovered from that one pretty quickly because, you know, as a student, you know, these kind of things happen, you know, just wrote it off as one of those things. And then about three years later, I was mugged um, on the street. It was about six o'clock in the evening. I was walking near where I'd been living for the last couple of years. I'd just left college and three men came out of the dark, slammed me on the ground, beat the living daylights out of me. I thought oh I was going to die. God. Yeah, so that one, uh, I received um, three herniated discs and very severe PTSD, as you can probably imagine. Only it was um, it was actually 1984, which was exactly the year that PTSD was um, officially di- became a diagnosis. It was put in the DSM at, at that time. You know, the DSM is the directory yeah. of, uh, of mental um, illnesses that psychiatrists and psychologists use. So there I was in, in the north of England, you know, basically my treatment was here's a cup of tea, suck it up and go home. You know, that, that's, and so I, I suffered with PTSD for about 10 years. So let um, me ask you a question, the second yeah. mugging, um, yeah. and you're, you know, you're dealing with PTSD. Do you feel like the first mugging could have played like that could have that, I mean, this is, I don't know if this is the right word, the right words to use for this example, but lay dormant, you know, um, that trauma, the first one, I mean, or did you, did you, do you feel like you had dealt with that after the fact and then this happened? Um, I, I wouldn't say I dealt with it because like, like I said, we were just students, we were in twenties, we were stupid and drunk and fooling around and you know, it was like rock and roll. I was a punk rocker. Taking care of yourself was not high on my list of priorities. <laughs> and, um, but I, um, I don't see it like that anymore. My, my, I was a trauma counselor for 30 years and, and my so my feelings about trauma uh, are quite um, different now the way I understand trauma so I'm, I'm happy to talk about that but um, I was just yeah, wondering so, if it felt like okay this is this the second mugging and then you you were suffering no. PTSD from from this but I wonder if you hadn't yet dealt with the first one so it was compounded um, <clears throat> no I, w- I would say definitely not because first of all we were English we didn't talk about these kind of things. I didn't make a connection between all three of them until like when I started teaching and writing and, you know, because um, it, it's a very different culture. Yeah. <laughs> culture, yeah. Like, I mean, in countries culture, but also in terms of in the eighties, we didn't talk like that. No, not at all. Right. It, it was, nope. it wasn't talked about like that. In nope. fact, I, well, whilst I was in college, that's when I started my my coaching and counseling career, and I trained with Manchester Rape Crisis Centre. And it kind of alarms me now to think that there were only two rape crisis centres in the country at that time, one in London, one in Manchester. And that you know it wasn't that long ago. And we were trained to answer the hotline, to um, go and talk to community groups, to to lawyers and nurses, social workers, and hardly anybody had a clue. You know about I imagine a lot of people going. didn't a lot of people didn't report it you know yeah, um, there's probably it. a lot of shame yeah women didn't know that they could say no they didn't know what was allowed or acceptable and there was you know I mean I went to crown court with some women to you know be an advocate um I sat on police monitoring committees and this was all like revolutionary stuff you know um and it was only like in the in, that was the early 80s when I was in college so um so yeah so after that second mugging i um i i was pretty sick for about a year agoraphobic you know i couldn't go out um i my doctor actually sent me to a psychiatrist during that time because my period stopped i i wasn't functioning properly i wasn't eating i wasn't sleeping you know i was basically anytime i'd go near the front door my head would say things like last time you left the house they almost killed you oh my god you know, 
two months ago, they almost killed you, three months, and, and it just continued like that. I, I didn't know what to do with this. Like my thinking was attacking me. I'd recovered from the physical injuries, although the, the three herniated discs were, um, went on to be part of my prolonged chronic pain. Um, and so when it came up to a year after um, that event, I decided to move down to London because clearly Manchester was the problem. Right. <laughs> so I moved down to London to start my career working in the theatre. I, I worked in the entertainment business for 20 years and I went from theatre to TV to movies, um, which is why I ended up in California. But um, I'd been in London for about, I think about two years. I was riding my bicycle home from the theater late one night and I, I saw this 16 year old kid. He kind of caught my eye because he was on a very small child's bicycle. The next thing I knew that bicycle came flying through the air. He threw the bike at me whilst I was cycling fast that way. So it was like, bam. <laughs> so, sorry if that just made your sound effects go off the tracks, but that's what it felt like. It, it felt like being um, shot out of a cannon at a brick wall because the impact, because I was going fast this way and then he hit me this way. So I fell off my bike. He took that from underneath me and sold it for about $70 the next day. And um, I, the next day I could barely lift my head off, off my pillow. And I actually had an interview at the BBC for the props department. So I literally held my head like this, walking to the station and getting- I am, I'm in, I'm in, no one can, nobody but you can see my face right now. And <laughs> <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but yeah, it was but no. like what I about saying, I, I, taking care of myself was like, that was not high on my list of priorities. You just, you know, got up and got on with it. So. Um, I did go to the doctor that time. He he kind of moved my head around and said, you're fine. I didn't even oh. get an next. Oh. And, yeah. and then about two years after that, I was working on a movie in Australia. I, I worked on the movie Babe. Do you remember that? with the Oh person? my gosh, I wish Brittany was here. Oh. Um, I, I, I had a career making puppets for, for movies. I worked for Jim Henson's Creature Shop for um, most of the time. And so we, we made the dogs for that movie. I was in Australia for oh. six months. I, I loved want, that movie and I love Jim Henson. I love the Muppets. <laughs> that was my job for a long time. I loved it. But I woke up one morning in Australia and, and my chin was stuck down on my collarbone and I could not move. I was paralyzed all around my neck and my shoulders. And luckily there was a chiropractor in the next village. We were, we were out in the bush in the middle of nowhere. I literally walked from our village where we were staying, where we were filming to the next village. And when I walked in, apparently I was white as a ghost. They, they x-rayed me. Luckily the chiropractor had an x-ray machine. And I remember him saying, stand up straight. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> That's why I'm like, here. <laughs> right? And so he did the x-ray and then he, he said to me, um, did you know your neck was broken? And I remember that. Okay, so wait, Hannah, let's go back a little bit. How far back, how, what, what's the time difference from when you got thrown off the bike to now again? <laughs> To now? To the story uh, that you're talking about right now? Um, Australia? 30 years. So how did so, you bring, go ahead. The kid, when the kid threw a bicycle at my head, that yeah. broke C2 and C3 in my neck. Oh my gosh. So the spinal cord was only bruised. It wasn't, you know, damaged. I, I mean, I've been walking around ever since. See, this is the thing. When, when the doctor said to me, did you know your neck was broken? I immediately went, catastrophized as a therapist would say, surgery, wheelchairs, paralyzed, forgetting that I'd walked into his office, right? Remember, I walked there. So yes, I was in agony. Yes, it was very painful. So the doc, this chiropractor told me that I would need chiropractic appointments 
for the rest of my life or else it was going to seize up again. So mm -hmm. I now had fractured skull, two, two broken vertebrae in my neck and three herniated discs. And um, so, that, so to answer your question, the 25 years of chronic pain, I was always told was coming from these injuries. So for 25 years, I had a monthly chiropractic appointment. No matter where I lived, where I went when I was on location filming, always had to know where the chiropractor was. And I would constantly get pain flare-ups. I'd be lying on the floor in agony. Um, you know, several. I, I was a school teacher after I left Hollywood. And I was walking around school most of the time with a hot water bottle on my back. When I get these flare-ups, muscles in the middle of my back would squeeze up like this. Yes. It would bend sideways. I've, my, had, I've had that uh, tension and that, um, I call them spasms in my back. Um, it's a, also, it's a, also a school teacher, and I would have to stop in the middle of the hallway and stand up against the the wall and just try to straighten myself out. It was it was debilitating that that pain. Um, oh, it's awful! Oh my gosh! Go ahead. I was I was paralyzed several times, rushed to the hospital, not able to move. Look, look at my 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 chest and my legs. Not they cannot move. I'd have sciatica pain shooting down my legs. Oh, that's the um, worst myself as being Audrey Hepburn on one side and Marilyn Monroe on the other side <sighs> you know I was that that contorted from the muscle spasms oh my and gosh I, just thinking about it I like have to sit up straighter and I just oh that's, that's interesting we'll have to talk about that so um, <laughs> this was my life oh, um every about six weeks I'd get a terrible flare-up and a pain spasms hot water bottle on the mat call the chiropractor rushed off to the hospital you know that that was my life but I never thought of myself as a sick person. Um, I just, this was just something I dealt with. Like you said, I just kind of got on with it. Mm -hmm. and, and also remember I'd been trained as a counselor and a coach. So for all that time, I was very interested in self-help, personal transformation, you know, whatever the latest thing was, you know, I was uh, doing it, trained in it. You know, I'm now living in Southern California and I'm meditating and I'm, you know, doing Pilates and I'm, you know, going off to silent retreats in Santa Barbara and reading all the latest books, hearing, going to hear Marianne Williamson speak and, you know, <laughs> and sending prayer with uh, Thomas, uh, uh, Father Thomas, you know, Keating. You know, I was doing all these things, right? And, um, and then about 12 years ago, I decided to move and I came here to live in Israel. I actually came to go to school for the first year and ended up staying. And about six years ago, I came across a new understanding of the mind, um, how, how, the, how experience is really constructed. Mm -hmm. And so I was so taken with this new um, paradigm in psychology, which I'm happy to talk about in a moment, um, sure. that I, I went to London to do some training. Now, the course cost money, flying backwards and forwards cost money. So, you know, I... We have quite a, a um, the the uh, um, financial situation here is not not great. So I, I'm not earning as much as I used to when I lived in LA. Right, right. So I had to save some money. So I thought, you know, what? I've been feeling pretty good right lately. So maybe I'll cancel this monthly chiropractic appointment I have. And this sounds like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I mean, I'm nervous for you that you're that you're canceling your appointment. Just because we need to talk. Why would you think that? I'm sitting here with a smile on my face. I have been a chiropractor since. So since you joined this program and learned about the mind-body connection, I, you have not been back? Well, not, I, I haven't, I don't have any pain. I, I, it's pain. amazing. For six years, I've been, the last six years, I've been pain-free. That's amazing. So I've not, 
needed to go back to the chiropractor. Nothing against her. She was amazing. She was one of the best chiropractors. Oh, absolutely. No, but you don't need it. So why would you go? Wow. That's amazing. Right. So I've been pain-free for, for six years now. And after I, I finished that course and I mentioned to someone that my back, I actually feel stronger now than I did when I was a teenager. Because all those doctor's appointments and all those chiropractors, like they gave me the impression my back was weak, I was broken, and I needed to be careful. And now I, I, I have no treatment, um, I, uh, and, I, and I'm pain-free. So someone suggested I look into uh, mind-body medicine, and for the last well, five years now, I've been reading research, I've conducted my own research, because I wanted to see if I could recreate in other people what happened for me. And now I work with clients all over the world, I've written two books, I speak at conferences, and not only has my back pain gone away, but so has my IBS, my chronic allergies, uh, my cystic acne, eczema, you name it. I had so many other physiological things, which when you start learning about the mind-body connection, you'll see it's, you know, there's, we, people often have other things going on as well. And they've all gotten better as, as well. So um, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from now, talking to my clients, showing them that, um, that they're not broken. They don't need fixing, that we all have innate health. Everybody has well-being. And the problem is we forget and we look in the wrong direction. You know, like you said, I'm, I'm when you said I'm nervous for you, I'm like, that's a glass, that, that nervous thinking, that I lived like that for so long. Right. And what I know now, and this is really important, all those injuries that I had, they healed 25 years ago. Herniated discs can heal broken bones heal, cuts, everything has healed. So why was I still experiencing pain for decades afterwards? And what I've learned is that when you're constantly stressed, that is sending danger signals to your brain. And because our brain doesn't speak English and it's stuck in this box called the skull, and it can only rely on the five senses that that's where it gets its information. If I'm constantly sending it danger messages, it's going to produce pain. Yeah. It's going because it wants to stop me moving because it wants to keep me safe. And when you get into a habit of that, that's what chronic pain is. Chronic pain is a habit of continuous fight or flight messages yeah. that are, are telling your body there's something wrong. But there wasn't anything wrong. And so when I started understanding my mind and my mind started to relax, the pain went away. It's pretty simple. It's miraculous. It sounds pretty simple. It sounds pretty simple. Um, I think I think this is a perfect opportunity to take a real quick break. And when we come back, I would love to hear a little bit about the process of getting to that point. Understand, like, what on earth did you do? Sure. From this, what did you learn from the program, and what did you do to get to that calm, relaxed state where now your body is able to heal? I don't, I always say heal is not about, like you said, heal is not about fixing something that's broken. It's just coming back to who you were meant to be or who you are. And you just don't, you know, just uncovering that person. So when I say heal, I don't mean we're broken. I have the same mindset um, with you, but when we come back, can we talk about what you actually did? Um, sure. Because I actually know I have a lot of clients who do suffer from chronic pain, and I think if they were to hear this podcast, then they might have some sort of different perspective. And that's always my goal when interviewing people on here. So we'll be back in just a sec. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. 
Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And we're back here with Hannah Studley. She is the author of Painless. She is talking with us today about the mind-body connection and how she learned um, more about that uh, and healing. I, I would like to not say healing. I just said, I don't really call it like you're not broken and healing yourself, but helping her body to heal um, so she no longer suffered from chronic pain. So hi again. <laughs> I'm very excited to hear um, some of the strategies or what you learned about the mind-body connection and what did you um, personally do to overcome this pain that you had suffered for 24 years? So the truth is I didn't do anything. And that's really the, the, the message. When I say I didn't do anything, I didn't do anything about my thinking. So the, mm -hmm. the, the para new paradigm in psychology that I went to London to learn about or, or to become a practitioner, I should say, to get a deeper understanding. Um, it's often called the three principles. Sometimes it's called innate health. And these ideas were put together by a man called Sidney Banks, who was a Scottish man who ended up in Vancouver in the 70s. And it, it isn't a cure for pain. In fact, it's not a cure for anything. It's really the foundation of all psychological functioning. Any technique that you mention, and I hear about a new one every week, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. At the bottom of all of those um, therapies, techniques, modalities, ranging from Freudian analysis all the way to NLP, CBT, DBT, EMDR, EFT, you name right. it, right? Yep, on, yep. On the back of them, right? At the bottom of all of those um, techniques are three foundational principles. Mind, thought, and consciousness. Because if you were to distill anything down, you can't get you can't go any more distilled than through mind, thought, and consciousness. You, you need those three things in order to, to be a human being, to be aware, to be, a, be so so what I learned was that thought, thought is a gift. Thought is a mystical spiritual energy that's passing through our minds. I have no idea what I'm saying right now, right? <laughs> Who could put that into words, right? But it's but the thing is, I'm totally on, on board with you. I'm like, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> spiritual energy that's going through my mind. Yeah. Its nature is to move. It doesn't stop. And it's right. neutral. And it's neutral until I have a reaction to it. Right. So because of its nature is to move, that's what I mean by there's nothing to do. A lot of those techniques and methods are about reframing, changing, managing, controlling, thinking. Well, once you understand that thought is always moving, that's like dragging the train back into the station to work out how to make it leave. Well, you don't really like it, right? So when you understand that, so when you understand that thought is always moving, it takes the burden and the pressure off trying to fix and change anything. So when I was suffering with the PTSD, really what was happening was my thinking was speeded up. Like anxiety is really speeded up thinking. Mm -hmm. If you think one analogy you could use is clouds or a river or traffic, you know, it's constantly moving. Um, but imagine it like a storm and, and now the clouds are getting moving faster. Anxiety is, is speeded up thinking really. 
And what does that feel like? It feels heavy. It feels tense. It feels, that's what anxiety is really the feeling of that kind of thinking. Yeah. Now, the truth is we are always feeling our thinking. Everybody does. It's, it's a reliable system. If you think about it, if you're having low, grumpy, you know, complainy, you know, blamey kind of thinking, you can't really be in a good mood. If you're having happy, joyful, abundant thinking, you can't mm -hmm. really be in a bad mood. It's a reliable mm -hmm. system. So we're always feeling our mood, which I used to be terrified of my moods, but now I see they're actually very helpful. They're an indication of the quality of my thinking, high or low or in between. So, but I think for some of us, people like me, we're feeling our thinking in our bodies. Because like mm -hmm. I was saying, the mechanism of the fight or flight gets, gets activated. And people with chronic pain, their fight or flight system is, and, and I've read a lot of science to back this up now, is kind of constantly activated. Now, listeners might say, yeah, but I'm not angry. I'm not that anxious. I'm not that frightened. Right. It's not about that. It's any little thing that, quote, attacks us, you know, an incoming email. It's a phone, you know, anything. Well, and I think we feel a heightened awareness of everything that's um, coming in. And yeah. You're never out of that fight or flight mode if you're if you're right. feeling so, that. So frustration, annoyance, things like that, that's going to like keep that makes a new normal because I think a lot of people tell me, oh, I'm not that stressed. I'm like, that's because you just got used to it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But in terms of coming in, I would say I would say it slightly differently. For the longest time, with all the techniques and methods and self-helpy stuff I was doing before, I always thought the reason we needed to change our thinking and work and manage and, and all this, you know, set boundaries and all this stuff was because the way I felt was a result of my circumstances. Like, oh, she makes me so angry or this situation is so triggering. Or, you know, there's lots of talk about how the outside stuff is, is why I feel the way I feel. I've since learned that that is not, not only not true, it's not possible. That's what I would call an outside in understanding, which is a misunderstanding. The way mm -hmm. I see it, is in what we'd call an inside out understanding, meaning I'm only ever experiencing my own thinking. We all live in a thought created reality. You have yours, I have mine. The people listening have theirs. And we're only ever experiencing our thinking, not our circumstances. Which when I started realizing that, that made me not a victim of my circumstances anymore. So when you were asking me about trauma, the way I see trauma now is, if I were to look at my past from a low mood, um, Sid Banks called that psychological from a bad mood, whether it's like, you know, you stubbed your toe. If you're in a bad mood and you stubbed your toe, oh, who left that there, right? Now, if you're in a good mood and you stub your toe on the way to open the door because your friends are coming over with pizza, you might not even notice. Mm -hmm. Mood of mind are everything. Mm -hmm. so, look at my past which and I'm not in denial here I can tell you exactly how bad it was I really thought I was going to die I I, I could feel the breath running out of my lungs and I remember thinking if I can't catch another breath they're going to kill me yeah right so I'm in don't no denial about how bad it was but and if if I remember that and I think about it from a low mood oh you know, it's over. It's two o'clock in the morning. I've got a bottle of wine and I'm calling you like long, long distance telling you about how miserable and terrible my life is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can look at my past now from a better mood, from a higher state of consciousness. And I can remember it with compassion and with understanding. It's a completely different experience. It doesn't mean what happened didn't happen. Right. But, my, but 
I can only experience my thinking now in the mo this moment about it. And going back to what we just said about how thought is always moving, once I see that sometimes I get caught up in thought and we get caught up in a thought storm, once I see that that's just an illusion, I can pop out of it at any moment and right. moment where I'm not broken, I'm not, I'm not suffering, I'm, I don't need because we all have innate health we all have innate mental health like even people sitting in in mental hospitals for for 20 30 40 years i, I some of my teachers are psychiatrists who've had this experience taking these ideas into into psychiatry and seeing people with all kinds of mental diagnosis get well because once they slow down they see that they've been torturing themselves with their own thinking right which is what my sd was then they can get free of it. I have colleagues who work with prisoners with a mediation, sales and marketing. When you understand how the human mind works and how experience is created, and you're not a victim of your circumstances, then you get to be free. And other things in my life have improved, not just my health, but my relationships, my business, you know, everything has mm -hmm. gotten better because I'm not, a, I'm not caught up in my thoughts all the time anymore. I'm more present in my life. And I think that's why my pain went away because my nervous system got a chance to heal. Right. I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful too. Now I'm not nervous for you. <laughs> <laughs> there I go in fight or flight mode, being nervous for someone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. My pain it's will a go away. I'm just kidding. Um, oh my gosh, that's an amazing story. I, and I think that, I hope that everyone that I know who does suffer with chronic pain, because I do, again, I know several um, of my clients um, get to hear this podcast. I'll make sure I share it with them when it is, is released. So I would love to know the name of your first book. And I know we were not really talking about that book, but I would love to um, share it with my listeners. Sure. It's called The Myth of Low Self-Esteem. The Myth of Low Self-Esteem? Yeah. Okay, hold on. I like that. Hold on. So I'm not saying there isn't such a thing as low self-esteem, but have you ever heard someone who's in a good mood say they need to work on their self-esteem? No, right? <laughs> but I know there are people who are in good moods who feel like they have low self-esteem. So I would love to read that book because I know that I definitely go through my days presenting a certain way and in you know my thought storms that come through can sometimes be negative and so you know I'm aware of those and I try to to let those go and and um well first figure out where they came from and then process it and try to let those go that's what I do um but I, I'm very interested in that book I love that title so the the processing and the letting go, when you see that thought is moving, there's actually mm -hmm. nothing to let go. There's nothing to process because- Yeah, no, I, I just think I have to, I have to like, I have to say to myself, just, I have to tell it to go, like, I have to do that. That's just my process. I, I see it, I know it's a thought and I know I can let it pass through and, and I have to say, all right, go, <laughs> like, no more. I, I mean, that's how I do it. I- So I just- I just, I, I was the same way, but now I've gone further upstream and see, that's like saying, okay, Cloud, you can go by now. Well, the cloud can go by anyway, right? Listen, I have control issues. <laughs> Clouds do not need my permission, my encouragement, or my analysis to move on. They are moving on anyway. So is traffic, you know, so, I mean, here's, here's one of my favorite um, analogies, if I have one handy, but 
imagine a snow globe, right? If you keep shaking up a snow globe, that's like every time I try and fix my thinking, every time I try to fix my situation, my relationships, Mm -hmm. let's learn another technique. Let's learn, you know, read another book. And so constantly shaking it up, that's the thought spinning around. I used to feel like my head was permanently stuck in a snow globe. Now, how do you make a snow globe stop? You leave it alone. Exactly. Go to the top of the class. Very good right? You leave it alone. Now, when I started reading all this research about um, uh, physical health, there's, thank God now in, you know, like you were saying, there's a lot more advances now going to more holistic kind of ways of treating the body. And what chiropractors and, and naturopaths and stuff are talking about is that the body has an innate intelligence to heal itself, mm-hmm. right? Now, my herniated disc healed 25 years ago. Did you know teeth can heal? right? Even teeth can heal. I'm not saying everything in a tooth can heal, but I I used to go to UCLA dental school because I'm cheap and it was 70% cheaper treatment and you're getting the latest, bestest, you know, state-of-the-art treatment with professors checking everything they're doing. And uh, one of the professors confessed to me that teeth can heal, that your average dentist... I, you know what? I, I, I think I've had experience with that and I believe that even though my whole life, I think that it's, we always had the understanding that teeth can't heal. Right. So your body has this innate intelligence to heal. Cuts, fractures, infections, heal. Now, if the same intelligence, you know, I'm just going to call it creative intelligence. You can call it higher power. God really doesn't matter. We all have a different understanding of of this, you know, thing that's, you know, I wouldn't say thing even. That's disrespectful. (laughs) I understand. Into words, this this creative, loving intelligence that is running the universe. If, if that made my body with innate intelligence to heal, why wouldn't it have given my mind a similar way to heal? Right. And it did. So that, that's why I love the analogy of the snow globe is that if you leave it alone, if you leave your mind alone, the thoughts will pass on. And because you are innately well underneath all that stinky thinking, you will automatically come back to a good, fresh new thought. All it takes is one new thought. To, to start off on another journey, a better journey, a more healthy journey. So when I started to see that to be true, and I, now I can still get caught up in my thinking. I'm a human being. I can still get a funky thought or an inappropriate thought or some, you know, excuse me, in a, in, insecure thinking. But now I've learned that I don't have to get frightened by it. In fact, that was one of Sidney Banks's famous quotes was, if only people could learn not to be afraid of their own experience, that would change the world. Writing that down. Just, just think every panic attack, fearful moment, um, diagnosis, if you weren't afraid of it and you knew that it was going to pass, that would, I mean, it changed my world, my internal world. Because Absolutely. Um, I think it would change many, like he said. Yeah. Is it Sydney is a man? So, yes, yeah, Sydney's a man. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to make and, sure I call well, him yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, so what he was pointing to is that we are not broken, we don't need fixing, that we all have innate mental health, we all have resilience, courage, wisdom. You know, none of us are garbage. We just, we just some, we have this, um, I have a colleague called Jack Pransky and he wrote a beautiful book and in the, in the inscription in the beginning it says, all we are is peace, love and wisdom and the ability to create the illusion that we are not. Oh my gosh, I love that. Right? All yeah. we are 
Peace, love, and wisdom, and the ability to create the illusion that we are not. We fall for the illusion of our own thinking all the time. So what I've learned now is if I start hearing self-pity thoughts, complaining thoughts, blaming, hostile, whatever it is, and I've started to add other things in there, like Googling at two o'clock in the morning, never ends well, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was me this morning. I was just up like, okay, now what do I do? Right? Now, if I have thoughts of like, I'm different, it's not going to work for me, you know, it's not fair, everybody else seems to get it, I don't. Those are all symptomatic of a low mood. And what I've learned is big fat stop sign. As soon as I hear those kind of thoughts, stop. I'm not, I have no business listening to those kind of thinking. Now, if your head then says, well, that's irresponsible. I have to, well, that's another clue you're in a low mood. All I have to do is, is just see through the illusion of it. And then when I'm in a better mood, which can happen instantly, or sometimes it could take a few minutes, or, you know, maybe I need to watch a, a movie on Netflix and eat some chocolate and then it's on, right? You know, I'm like nobody else. <clears throat> I can still look at those same things from a better mood, kind of, I think of an elevator going up. On the ground floor, you can see the garbage, you can see the dog peeing on the roses, you can see the traffic. But as the elevator goes up, your perspective changes. Right. You start to see the, a bigger picture. And when you get to the roof, it's like some of those problems, I, I couldn't even tell you what a lot of my problems were now because they've just melted away. I haven't need to work on them. It's just my thinking about them fell away like the snow globe. And what's left is clarity, more space for intuition, inspiration, bright new ideas can come in. I was, yeah, was going to say creativity and all yeah. of that comes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've written two books in the last couple of years. I, I can't spell. Right. I left high school um, thinking that other people are academic, not me. I mean, thank God I had other talents with my hands, you know, and, and you know, I worked in the movies for a long time doing special effects. I have very, very talented hands. But my my mind, I was always told was I'm, I'm, I can't do that. You're not academic. And now I've written two books. So I have to stop saying I'm not a writer right? because that's not true. Obviously, I've got <laughs> ideas more my next book is going to be about menopause and hormones <gasps> I'm uh, so excited this is like divine intervention I can't <laughs> even begin to tell you I keep saying um someone needs to to do more work on this because uh, seriously because I'm starting to, to deal with all of that and I'm just like how come I can't find any no. definitive information about this but everything that I go to my doctor about is well that's normal so okay so all of this is normal <laughs> you know I just think there needs to be more I I should let you know that my books are novels right so they're not factual they're written no no, they they are there's they're full of facts but what I found you know if you're an a, a tired mom, an overwhelmed teacher you know you come home at the end of the day it's like oh I want to read another textbook you know another self help book but what I facts and information I've learned from my own experience and from a lot of the research I've done and I've read of other people's I put them into story form yeah. and the characters do the 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 discovering the falling down the getting up the searching yeah. the, the the happy endings so the first two books are about a woman called Deborah she's kind of like my alter ego it's definitely not a autobiography but it's close um so the next book the menopause book is going to be a, a woman and her two daughters and so between the three women I'm going to cover you know um monthly cycle postpartum uh menopause and this, they're gonna they're gonna investigate you know what that's what's really going on and see that in it, with menopause hormones too I'm feeling my thinking how would I know I've had a hot flush how would I know that I'm hungry even if you haven't had a thought about it you see, there isn't anything that isn't made of thought. 
And when I say thought, I mean that creative energy. So when it all settles down, it makes room for, like you said, creativity, inspiration, intuition. I, I've, I'm, I just got approached by a, um, a professor of social work who does research papers from Austin, from Texas University, and we're going to write a research paper on it. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> I <laughs> love that. I keep showing up and, and things just keep happening. Yep. Whereas when I was suffering PTSD, I couldn't get out of my bedroom door, let alone my front door. Yep. My world really small because I was listening to my really crappy thinking, thinking that my life was over. You know, and here I am, um, you know, 30 years later, and there's just more and more new, exciting things to do. And, you know, as soon as the world starts opening up a bit more, you know, I've been asked to speak at conferences and traveling and meeting with people. And life, I love my life today. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's very exciting. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad I found you um, and I'm able to chat with you today. I love your story. And I can't wait to read those books because I'm definitely going to purchase them now. <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, I do you do you have a, a website or anything like that? I forgot to ask you that at the beginning. Yeah, I do. Thank you. Um, my website is my name. So it's Hannah Studley, which is spelled C-H-A-N-A-S-T-U-D-L-E-Y.com. That's my website. I also have a Facebook group with gosh, over about 2,000 people in it now, um, which is called TMS. Uh, chron sorry, TMS, chronic pain and the three principles. If you, um, you'll find details about it on my website if you can't find it, but or you can just find me on Facebook and and you'll you'll see it. Um, TMS is a, a a diagnosis of chronic pain, um, and um, yeah, and also I'm I'm speaking at a conference at the end of the month, which is. Um, a three principles conference but it's completely designed for beginners people like an introductory level so if anybody's interested for that you know um please please message me you can contact me through my website and i was going to uh, say is that information on your website as well okay all right i'll make sure to put all of that in the podcast notes too so if you were listening yeah. and and hannah was talking so fast and you couldn't write it down don't worry <laughs> yeah, and, and both books are on amazon so uh you know you can yeah. find the books on amazon as well that's awesome. Thank you so much. Now, Hannah, before I let you actually leave me, um, which I don't want you to do, <laughs> I just need you in my ear all the time. Um, <laughs> I have three more questions. I ask everyone these three questions at the end of the podcast. Um, when you are at your most peaceful, when you feel at peaceful, what are you doing? Or where are you? Or whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's my state of mind, you know? So everywhere, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But if my state of mind isn't any good, it doesn't matter where I am. You don't need to escape to go anywhere or do anything. It's already there. Okay. And do you have a book that you would suggest to anyone? I mean, obviously yours. Um, yeah. <laughs> this question usually is like one that changed your life or one that you just love and um, you would suggest to anyone. And it can be yours. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, after you've bought mine, um, <laughs> The book I'm going to suggest now is actually one of my teachers. His name is Dr. George Pransky, and it's called The Relationship Handbook. And it's not just about relationships because we have relationships ourselves, but he gives amazing, detailed, um, more um, 
teachings about the, the ideas I've been given to you. And he, he was mentored by Sydney Banks for 30 years. So he's an incredible teacher. And, he, and so he's actually just recovering from a, a full on stroke and his resilience, you can just see his resilience coming back, you know, he is um, shining, even has been through like, you know, a very severe uh, physical thing. He's still teaching and still a very inspiring person. So I highly recommend his book. Yeah. Thank you. And then um, I love asking this question and usually the answer is always the same, but I'm going to ask it. I'm not going to stop asking if money wasn't an object and you could do anything in your life, what would you be doing? Probably what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah, I know. See, I had to stop asking that question. <laughs> That's always the answer, which is so cool. It just means that, you know, you're doing exactly what you should be. So right, there, there, have you ever heard the quote, um, never work a day in your life? I, I can't remember who said that. Was it maybe Mark Twain? If you're doing what you love. Yes. I mean, yeah. when I worked in Hollywood, I, I was making puppets and working with Jim Henson, you know, like that, that was like, that's not work. That was like, you're getting, I was getting paid to do what I love. I feel, I don't take it lightly. I feel very blessed that I went right. from that to doing this to helping people. So um, yeah, it's, it's a huge blessing. Well, I would argue that making puppets for Jim Henson would also be helping people. I can speak from, from personal <laughs> experience. Brittany and I, um, literally, she just sent me a video of um, it was a TikTok, but she sent me a video of the a little bit like behind the scenes making of the um, Muppet Christmas Carol. I mean, she literally just sent it to me yesterday. <laughs> like, how coincidental am I talking to someone who? Yeah, yeah. Know, I, I know all the people in that video. <laughs> amazing! It's amazing. She's going to be so mad. I know it's just a thought, but it's going to pass through. But she's going to be so jealous that she wasn't here to talk to you. And I appreciate your time spending with me um, on this episode. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And I'll be back in just another moment. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.